For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello. And uh, tonight on the program, we're going to have a different kind of business, uh, Lauren Tide Controls with Steve Dustin, who'll be along very shortly. Uh, very interesting angle to the business, particularly when it comes to how the ownership is structured. We have never had a business like this before, uh, so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But first, uh, let's chat about uh, a couple of uh, uh, entrepreneurial-related stories that are making the news today, as we usually do at the top of the show. And the first thing that's going on in Montreal today, of course, and we'll, we'll touch on this a bit more on the exchange, is the Je Vois Montréal conference, which was all day long, and we had various little ateliers in different um, uh, sort of areas of interest. And the goal was to drum up big ideas for Montreal, big projects or um, or big uh, initiatives to sort of uh, put the city back on the map um, in terms of uh, uh, this being perhaps a, a business capital on in the world once again. So, I mean, a lot of things were discussed. I can go through a couple in a second. But from your perspective, what what does uh, what do some of the entrepreneurs that you work with, Josh, um, what would they be clamoring for uh, at the government level in terms of of, uh, of projects or support or big ideas? Well, I, I think Dan, there's you know, it's it's great to have the the function the Je vois Montréal. There's so many different businesses that want so many different items and actions and and incentives that uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the city can actually do to, you know, consolidate. I'm sure these dozens or hundreds of ideas uh, that that are certainly going to affect many different businesses. I think one of the areas that uh, there's no doubt businesses always look for, strive for, is talent. And how can the city improve itself, whether it's, uh, whether it's municipal tax-wise, whether there's some incentive, whether it's, it's infrastructure, whether it's, it's attracting youth or the right, the right age or the right, uh, the right generation to the city so that the talent is here for Montreal businesses to soak up. We've seen so many people leave the city over the past, we'll call it decade, uh, even longer, but over the decade, that how do we keep those people here? Now, part of it is a tax system, which is more provincial, more federal, but part of it is just the city itself and what draws and and I think standard of living and cost of living plays a huge role as far as that talent goes. Would a landmark be really the solution, especially perhaps for retail around the place where that landmark would be? You know, people are talking about, um, you know, Paris has the Eiffel Tower, uh, New York has the Empire State Building. We have the Olympic Stadium, I guess. Well, we, we could sell tickets, you know, to blow it up. I'm sure we'd raise <laughs> a lot of money there. Uh, you know, rename a couple of bridges and attract people. The, you know, will a landmark... It might attract tourism. It might help give a little bit of boost in that part of the economy, maybe to some of the retail. But a landmark in and of itself, unless you're talking a major, major, major item uh, or or placed uh, object or building or whatever, is I don't know if the bang for the buck is necessarily there. Can't hurt, but is that the best way to spend the money to help, you know, Quebec entrepreneurs? Not sure. What about something boring that uh, often we don't see? Infrastructure, um, you know, better sewers, better roads, uh, just having a level of uh, of infrastructure in Montreal, especially when you come from the airport to downtown, that doesn't look like Sarajevo circa 1995. Well, I can certainly tell you that anybody that comes to town or if you live here, if you're 
weaving in and out of pylons and, and potholes, there's no doubt it's a big turnoff. There's no doubt. Now, do people move away f from here because of it? I'm not so sure. But do they avoid, you know, Montreal because of the infrastructure? Entirely possible. When you're talking talent, and when we get to uh, to Steve's story and Lord Tide Controls, that's in the West Island, you know, do people not want to come downtown because... It is an absolute nightmare as far as traffic and infrastructure and fixing go. So infrastructure will play a big role, certainly for the downtown retailers uh, or wherever the retailers may be, because you need the access and the foot traffic. Um, but I guess it depends where in the city we're talking about. What about in terms of foreign investment? If someone is coming from anywhere else in the world, obviously they're going through Trudeau Airport, coming down the 20, going into downtown Montreal, it lo everything looks kind of bad in many spots. I mean, is that kind of thing, does that play into uh, an investor's decision on whether or not to, to set up camp here in Montreal when they see how poor our infrastructure is? Aren't they thinking, I don't know how stable this place is? Well, I'm, I'm sure it can be a question that goes to their mind. Uh, those that are maybe thinking whether, you know, the positive lining or the silver the, you know, the silver lining in the cloud could say, well, they're trying to improve and they're, they're spending money on their infrastructure. So that's a positive thing going forward. Yes. It's a, it's a pain in the rear end right now. I mean, look at Boston and the big dig. Mm. Uh, that was at least a 10 year project and billion plus dollars. And everybody was, you know, pulling their hair out throughout, but you look at the end result and it's actually not a bad thing. Hopefully we'll get there with uh, Turcotte, which is Turcot, I guess, our, our version of the big dig. Our local big dig. And uh, finally, what about investment? Because there are lots of different programs at various levels of government in Quebec. We're big on programs to, uh, to help entrepreneurs and to subsidize all kinds of programs. Is it making a significant dent, though? And I'm wondering if government money to boost entrepreneurs, some of them will succeed, most of them won't. Is that really the solution? Or is, it, is government really uh, better off focusing on creating the conditions where private investment can flourish? I'm sure there's certainly mixed feelings out there. There's no question that people are paying enough taxes. They want the government to kick back in. They want them to help. They want the incentives. They feel there's, even though, you know, governments today can be considered broke, uh, the the everyday entrepreneur says, you know what, we all kicked in our taxes. Let's get something back out of it. That being said, that's only going to take us so far and maybe dig an even bigger hole, provincially, municipal, municipally, uh, or federally even. Outside investors bringing their money in, that's a new influx of dollars. That's not just recirculating from our left pocket to our right pocket, but actually bringing new funds in. And that's where I think the major differences will play in the long run. At this conference, there were a lot of millennials, a lot of young faces there. Apparently, I didn't, I didn't stop by, but apparently it was very young, very energetic. And uh, we were reading the story today from the Globe and Mail about uh, people of my generation, millennials, and whether or not we should buy rent, uh, both in terms of our personal housing and in terms of our businesses as well. Um, where do you see this going? Is it, is, are we getting to a, a place where it's going to be easier to buy? Because uh, it's, it seems like it's a lot more difficult for my generation uh, to buy anything, whether it's a business or, or a home, than it was for our parents. Well, there's no question that today, items just simply cost more you know and the question is did the did the level of salaries and income go up high enough to be able to afford this there's so many factors at play uh, you know the interest rates are relatively low so that does help as far as borrowing and mortgages uh, however does the cash flow support it when everybody's looking to buy or rent uh, or buy or lease if you're talking a car instead of a house there's there's a question of cash flow and it's always a question of trade-off what are you willing to sacrifice today versus what are you going to get tomorrow? In the question of a home, 
I mean, there's a lifestyle choice as well. And some people that would love to buy homes uh, and, you know, live in downtown Montreal say, hey, you know what? I'm seeing these places go. There are some condos at six, 700 a square feet for the average. I'm not talking about the $1,000 a square foot one that are like, well, do I want to live in a 550 square foot place for such money, even though the interest rate is low? No. So then maybe they look, maybe it's for them, it's not just a question of buy or rent, but then it's location of buying or renting. And I think all that plays in the cash flow and, of course, the family situation. But if you have a child and you want to, you know, live near a good school, there's so many factors that come into play. But, you know, the cash flow, can you afford it? And, and if you can't afford it, can your marriage or family life support the stress of paying out so much money? There's so many factors. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD will get to our profile in just a moment. Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls. Um, they structure their business in a very interesting way. Uh, like I said earlier, it's not something that we've seen before on the program, and we'll talk about that uh, off the top when we uh, uh, talk to Steve in just a moment. But first, it's 7.15. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.20 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, and our guest this evening is Steve Dustin of Laurentide Control. Steve, welcome to CJD. Thanks, Dan. So the first question is always the easiest. Uh, what is Laurentide Control? Tell us about your company. So we are a uh, sales and service representative for uh, industrial process control solutions, and we deal with, with industries around eastern Canada like refineries and chemical plants and pulp and paper and, and uh, food and beverage manufacturers and things like that. And uh, in plain English, what that means is all of these companies uh, that manufacture something, they, they, uh, they take a raw material, they process it, they do things to it, and they come up with a, with a finished product. And so what we do is we help them control everything that is done to those raw materials to get to the finished product. Uh, and that could be supplying uh, mechanical valves to control what goes through their pipes, to the instrumentation that measures and monitors what's going on in the plant, to the control system that'll control the whole facility. And at the same time, we, uh, we, work, we help customers work on the reliability of their plant, meaning helping them to stay operational. Because for these plants, uh, downtime is a killer. It kills their bottom line. So there's a, there's a lot of focus that they put on that. Um, so we basically do those two things. Uh, and we're, we're based in Kirkland. And uh, we've got offices throughout eastern Canada. So in Atlantic Canada, Quebec City, Saguenay, and, uh, and uh, we also deal with eastern Ontario. Technology must play a hugely important role. I mean, you've, if you're dealing with manufacturing processes uh, and throughout the many years you've been in business, the changes in technology really have to stay on top of them. Uh, absolutely. The technology is evolving all the time because companies are always trying to uh, get an edge versus the competition locally or uh, global competition, which is becoming a bigger and bigger deal. So uh, technology that allow them to tweak an extra 0.1% out of their process, uh, that's, that's a tremendous amount of money at the end of the day. So there's always developments in technology, and that's a challenge for us to stay on top of that. That's a challenge for our people. We we constantly are training um, and learning new things. There's new challenges every day. We all we all know where the sort of the manufacturing neighborhoods are in Montreal, where the the industry is, but we don't sort of think about what's inside of those buildings sometimes and how much engineering goes into this. Is that is that part of what Laurentide does? Is to I guess to to help uh, help these manufacturers or these uh, large producers sort of um, you know 
get a handle on the latest engineering technology? Absolutely. It's uh, helping, helping our customers uh, understand what's available to them, both in terms of the technology, but also what they could do with it and understand how they could uh, take advantage of that to become more competitive in the marketplace is, is a, big, uh, a big piece of what we do. And that's really what differentiates Laurentide Controls from, say, a, a distributor of products is we've got uh, engineers with uh, expertise in the technology, um, expertise in the particular industry that we're talking about. So we're able to leverage um, the knowledge that we've gained over the years to, to try and help customers find specific advantages to help, their, help them run their plants better. Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls is with us. We'll talk about automation. We'll talk about how his company set up as well and how the employees have a very big say uh, in terms of how that business is run. And uh, that is coming up on today's Entrepreneur 724. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. Our guest is Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls, and we're talking about some of the systems they implement for manufacturers. And uh, Steve, a lot of manufacturers, of course, in, in various sectors uh, in Canada, uh, have decided to go abroad. Um, what do you think that is? And is there anything that that, that people can you can uh, that people like you can do to help people maybe uh, automate a little bit faster, uh, get caught up with technology, be more efficient? Do you, do you see that as a big problem for Canadian manufacturers? It, it's a it's a huge challenge. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of competitors globally have invested in new technology, whereas a lot of our facilities are are quite a bit older, uh, still using older technology, and and that's that's changing over time. Uh, so part of our job is is uh, to to help these customers understand where the savings could be, where their gains in efficiency could be, um, from a plant reliability side of things. Like I was saying. Um, they they uh, every every hour of downtime uh, makes them less competitive globally and even even within corporations, um, sites compete with themselves for investment money. So you might have a certain customer with a facility here, uh, and a facility in Europe, and a facility in um, in South America, and the corporation looks to spend uh, spend some money, invest some capital money. They look at which company is the or which site is the most efficient. They look at which one's most reliable. They look at which one is the safest. They look at all these different uh, characteristics. We can help them with the reliability side, and we can help them try and uh, upgrade their automation to uh, to make their plants more efficient. And certainly, with the change in manufacturing over the years and the ups and downs and the volatility, you, I guess you've had to adjust your own approach and how you sell them and how you educate not only your customers but your teams within. Absolutely. Uh, there, you know, there there was a time. If we go back twenty years, um, more than half of our business was pulp and paper. Now it's that shrunk quite a bit because of so many uh, plant closures. Uh, at at the same time, uh, we've had to refocus on on uh, looking for opportunities to help our customers because the the flood of capital investment is just not there. It's not there compared to some areas of the U.S. with with things like shale gas. Uh, it's not there compared to some areas of uh, South America where trees grow twice as fast for the pulp and paper mills. So everybody uh, needs to work together to try and find these opportunities for savings, and you have to look in different places. Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls, our guest tonight on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Our guest this evening is Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls. Uh, they help manufacturers essentially uh, implement systems. And um, it's, it's interesting, Steve, because Laurentide is the ownership structure is different from any company really that we've profiled on today's Entrepreneur in five years. And it's a pretty rare uh, setup that you have going, uh, one that uh, is great for employees. Tell us a bit about uh, about that setup. We are an employee-owned company, and what that means is um, we have a share structure, and employees are invited to uh, purchase shares in the company once per year. Um, to own shares in the company, you have to be an employee of the company. So if you leave for whatever reason, then you have to uh, you have to divest your shares. Um, and uh, we basically do that because uh, we think it it drives a sense of uh, a sense of ownership in the company. We're not. We're not looking for investors in the company. We're looking for people that want to be owners of the company and feel that that sense of ownership and uh, and behave accordingly. Uh, we feel that um, when you own something, you take better care of it and you you want it you want it to succeed. And uh, that's the culture that we try and drive throughout the organization is that sense of accountability within each uh, within each person. And you know, Dan, we've heard lots of entrepreneurs try and get their their team to have that sense of ownership. This just takes it to the mm. to the next real level, saying, "No, you actually own it." All you bosses kind of say that, right? They say, well, "We want it. you to feel part of this," but now you're really a part of it. Yeah, now your actions actually yeah. affect the bottom line. Uh, Steve, has the company always been like this? It's always been uh, employee owned. However, if you go back quite a few years, it, it was much more of a restricted group of, of owners. And it was really uh, our previous president that uh, changed that when he when he came into the company back in 96, and really opened it up to, uh, to all employees uh, to be able to, to uh, partake. So there's no real restrictions. I mean, other than your fact that you have to actually work there. Exactly. The only the only restriction is you have to have been there for one full year to be invited to uh, to to buy shares. Uh, each each employee has a certain number of shares that they're allowed to to purchase. Um, and really, uh, shareholder or employees are invited to purchase shares, and uh, it's it's optional. Um, and uh, really, what what I do is I just kind of look at uh, at the the list of people that would like to buy shares and make sure that they actually exhibit the uh, the characteristics of owners. Which is pretty much everybody, because they probably wouldn't be working at Laurentide if they uh, if they weren't. No, and I and I presume because there is that intangible, there is that you know everybody goes through their annual evaluations and are you performing or you're not. But this one kind of attaches a little bit more to it because it's the employee that says if you're not performing, well then well maybe you shouldn't be here and maybe you shouldn't be an owner. Are there are there times where people don't get invited to be owner because of their performance, or at that point it's too late? It, it it doesn't really happen because if that were the case, then we would have other issues with those employees that we would try and address through other means, performance development plans and so on. So generally speaking, anybody that wants to become an owner gets that opportunity. One of the issues that we always that we always hear is that it's hard to find talent. Is this employee ownership such a big differentiator that it helps you find and of course retain talent? It it is actually it's very well perceived. Uh, we're we're growing quite a bit as a company. We're adding many people every every year, and it's one of the things that we highlight in that recruiting process. And it it really uh, it does it does uh, it does help in that process. Um, it's something that really piques the interest of uh, of people who've been in the industry for a while and are looking for a new career. 
It also really piques the interest of young people coming out of schools, and we're hiring quite a few people right out of universities and so on. And uh, it, is a, it is definitely a differentiator that we use. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons that um, we used to have a three-year waiting period before you could buy shares in the company. And uh, really for uh, young folks coming out of school, three years is an eternity, basically. And so we looked at that and said that, that uh, we, need to, we need to cut that back to a one-year waiting period to, uh, to buy shares just to make it seem like the horizon's a little bit closer. Um, it's kind of a downer to say you can buy shares, but you have to wait three years. And, of course, when you're buying shares and it's, it's a bit of a moving target, you have to kind of pick a value for those shares. And it's not, not set in stone, but it's got to change at least on an annual basis. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that process. We, we reevaluate our shares uh, every year. It's, uh, it's based on a preset uh, formula that's based on the, uh, the profitability of the company. Every employee uh, knows how it's calculated, and uh, we just uh, wait until our fantastic auditors uh, finish our uh, our financial statements, and uh, we we pin down the profitability of the company, and then we uh, we announce to all the employees what the new share value is, and uh, it's a very clean process, um, and it works uh, it works extremely well. Now, with all shareholders, there's usually a shareholders agreement. Yes, uh, I presume that you. It's even more important given the number of people that are shareholders. Uh, was that a difficult document? And it might have been created before you got into into Laurentide. But is that a, a, a large, complicated document? Does it change? Do you get questioned a lot by the employees who are about to buy in on it? No. The, the shareholders agreement... Uh... It's a legal document, so lots of people do find it a little bit complicated, so we, we do have to go through it. But uh, generally speaking, it, it's the same document that's been in place for many, many years. Uh, occasionally, we make little tweaks to it just uh, based on legal review and, and things like that. But essentially, it's it's the same document that's been in place for quite a while. And we, we take uh, quite a bit of time to make sure employees understand what's in it. Uh, we want to make sure people are going into the SHARE program with their eyes wide open. It kind of takes human resource selection to a whole new level. When you're when you want to have your people, the employees, actually buy in, actually be a partner, where you can look at Joe or Jane next to you and say, "I'm partners." Put your arm around them, say, "We own it together." Uh, when you're searching for talent and looking and hiring and promoting, it's got to add that much more emphasis. Uh, and reality to to the process. It's not a simple, you know, annual valuations coming up. Let's you know give Johnny or Bob a little couple of ticks here or there. This is this is, does does this change the way you not just the way you hire, but the way you promote and move levels. And I mean, what kind of intensity goes along with that? Uh, we're 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 very much a, a company that's focused on the result. We're not so much focused on all the activities that lead up to the results. So when we're recruiting, we're looking for people that think that way as well. And really, we we promote people and and we uh, develop people that exhibit that. So um, just because somebody's got a, a you know a degree behind their name, that that means something. But if they only if they do something with it, uh, we we look for the people that really perform. Do you ever get into a uh, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of scenario? Um, not, uh, not really. One of the things that we do is is because we're employee owned, we're able to share a lot in terms of what we're what we're doing, what we're planning on doing, uh, and we try and explain that very well. And and there's a there's a very strong leadership team that we have that uh, takes the larger decisions. We do engage a lot of employees in the decision making process. Um, but when it comes to making the real strategic decisions, um, 
you know, I think I think the key is to communicate what you're doing and why, and you kind of get away from from some of those risks. And just quickly before we go to our next break, I guess you have to outline or or really set the rules on when the employees are supposed to divest or sell their shares. Absolutely. Well, it, basically, it's uh, when you leave the company, you have to divest. That's written right into the shareholders agreement, and uh, there's uh, no no options there. All right, Steve uh, Dustin of Laurentide Controls, our guest this evening on today's Entrepreneur. After the break, we'll bring in Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fuller Landau. And uh, Josh, what are we talking about with uh, Nick tonight? It's, you know, employee ownership and maybe a little bit management buyout. Uh, what are the issues we have to look at from uh, kind of a fiscal and tax side when you have a bunch of shareholders and employees that are buying into a company? Sounds complicated. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 750, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Our guest this evening is Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls, and we bring in Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fuller Landau, uh, because Nick, this uh, this the way Laurentide is structured is very unique, of course, uh, with so many employee shareholders, and uh, that I'm sure presents uh, a whole host of challenges tax-wise. And there's no question that with the wide employee ownership, Nick, what's the kind of the first things that come to mind? Um, no matter what we do in business, is a tax angle that we always have to uh, be careful of. Now, there is the government has over the years uh, been promoting employee ownership of of companies, and they wanted uh, was the employee stock option plans, etc. But at the back of it, there, there's you got to be. We have to be careful when we're expanding. When when many employees own a company, the one thing the government will be looking at is what is the price that is being negotiated between the employees on the shares, and is that price indicative of the fair market value of the company? Um, and and so and I think in many cases where, where with wide uh, ownership, you you usually have a shareholders agreement. There's there's valuation formulas that have been set up. That have been tested and 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 um, and people are buying at a specific time during the year at that particular price, and that valuation is supposed to be representative of the fair market value of the company. Does it ever get challenged? It could. Uh, government is allowed to challenge anything, and that is that's the that's the thing. Unlike other elements in business, uh, when we do uh, a deal between two parties uh, the, uh, in, with tax, the government can always come in and challenge, and they have to come back and say that is is the price of fair market value or not. And and the issue that comes in is if we are dealing with fair market value, then that's fine. What what uh, what people are getting capital gains, there is gains. If they're receiving dividends or getting dividends, but if the price is not fair market value, we now bring in the the scepter of um, uh, employee benefits or shareholder benefits that we have to now turn around and factor in, and that's something uh, that we uh, always have are always on uh, the lookout for. Other thing with uh, uh, employee ownership is there's there's a difference between having a part of profits and and having a, a say in in the vote voting structure of the company. So in in many cases we can have. Uh, uh, some shares that are voting shares, and they get to vote in the directors and make the decisions as to dividends and acquisitions and um, disposals. And there's other shares that are not voting, but are participating in the in the profits of the company. And that too usually is, will be buried in the shareholders' agreement. Um, the other thing that most employees will also be looking at is, okay, I now own say a couple of percentage points of this company. It's made a certain amount of profit. I would like now to get that my percentage of that profit paid out to me. How am I going to get it? Uh, some employees might like to receive dividends. Other employees may want to receive a bonus. 
Um, is it the employee who owns it? Is it his RRSB that happens to uh, own his shares? Well, they dictate many times how the employee wants to get paid. But if you have different people with the, uh, wanting to get different types of payment, which are taxed differently, it makes the share structure of the company a lot more cumbersome to um, uh, be able to uh, pay all these different amounts to all the different people. More with Nick in a moment, and we'll have Steve Dustin's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. In the remaining moments, we're talking with Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fuller Landau, and Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls because they set up the company in a very interesting way and employees uh, are shareholders. And uh, so when someone, after they, 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 they're there for the first year, Steve, how do they go about purchasing the shares and are there various ways of going about doing that? They, they have a couple of options. One is uh, cash. The, the other option is we've got our program set up where they can, they can uh, purchase shares within their RRSP, um, which is a big benefit to a lot of people, um, especially early in their careers. Now, Nick, you were mentioning before valuation issues with employees and, you know, if the value is not right or it's too low, uh, it could cause problems or issues for the employee. And I know certain entrepreneurs kind of want to give maybe a few points to their key employees as a gift. So maybe what are the, quickly, what are the, the few items that, uh, that the entrepreneur needs to look out for? Well, you, you automatically have a benefit if the employee is receiving securities, shares of a company whose value is more than what he paid. Um, so whether it's a gift, uh, whether it's an improperly done valuation of a company, or whether in many cases where we have a limited um, uh, employee share ownership, where like the one or two key employees, where you're giving, where you want them to own X percent of the company, it could be one or two percent, but that one or two percent is worth something. There is a benefit provision. The government, in uh, with private corporations, does give a little bit of a break. The employee will only be taxed on that benefit. It'll be taxed as a salary only when he gets rid of the shares, either when he retires or sells. And there are some some tax reductions available if certain conditions are met. But it's it's not the automatic capital gain as you may have, as you may have thought uh, as an employee. It is considered an employment income. Uh, definitely. Uh, lots of pitfalls and lots of things to know. Yeah. So as we approach the end of the show, uh, we'll turn to uh, Steve from Laurentide Controls and say, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Well, I, I think if I look at other companies, uh, similar size or smaller, uh, one of the biggest challenges that they seem to have is uh, with succession planning. And uh, it was done very well with me. It was a long process that was started early. Um, and we're, you know, throughout the organization, as people move up, we need to plan the succession of those people. And it's, it is a strategic plan. And so I'd very much encourage people to start that early, have it planned out strategically and, and work the plan. Thank you, Steve. And, and Dan, you know, the, I guess the one takeaway, and maybe it's a little obvious, but certainly the innovative method on, on how they, how Laurentide treats and includes and thoroughly involves their employees on all ends, not only as shareholders, but certainly uh, we didn't talk about it much, but being transparent with the information that they provide so that everybody can contribute in the maximum possible way, I think is a, is a great lesson to be shared and learned by many entrepreneurs. Thanks very much, Steve Dustin of Laurentide Controls. Uh, thanks for coming into CJD tonight. Thank you. And thanks, Nick Moretis, as well. We're back uh, next week. Josh is off to Hong Kong, but uh, uh, Mr. Mike Newton will be here as your co-host, so we'll look forward to that. The Exchange is next on CJAD. It's 8 o'clock.